0: Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover. Your home for ice fishing news, tips, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Chris Larson. Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast. We are getting really close to Memorial Day weekend. And I know opener was last weekend, but a lot of people really consider Memorial Day is kind of opening weekend uh, for fishing because that's when they get out and get that three-day weekend. But uh, a lot of good stuff happening south of here as well. Uh, The target walleye uh, email went out this week and uh, a humongous sunfish caught down on Lake Havasu. Uh, It was a native Wisconsinite, Zach Mickle, who has now uh, moved down to the Lake Havasu area. And uh, if you saw this fish, you'd, you'd understand why. Uh, in our neck of the woods, any bluegill hovering around uh, 10 inches is kind of thought to be a giant. Uh, but in Lake Havasu, that's kind of a run of the mill fish. Zach's fish was 16 and a quarter inches long and weighed in at just over five pounds. Blake, what do you think you'd do if you, uh, found one of those, uh, (laughs) in our waters?
1: I don't even know. I mean, that's just seeing the picture. It's like, it's hard to believe that, that those exist. I mean, I've seen plenty of pictures. I think the the world record got broke down there within the last 10 years, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. And that was 17 inches um, and like seven pounds. Right. So I, I couldn't even imagine seeing a fish like that. I've always wanted to go down there that it just seems pretty unreal. I know those fish are not easy to catch, but I mean, even if you catch a 12, 13 inch like that would be pretty, pretty awesome compared to what we have up here.
0: Yeah, if you're a panfish uh, pan panfish lover, Havasu is the place to go. If you're bored at work and trying to find a way to waste some time, uh, just Google Lake Havasu Shellcracker once and check out the images there. Uh, right. so that place is is kind of the the stuff of legends for panfish. Um, but like you said, they can be a challenge to catch. Um, they're not in there the big numbers like what we would see here, and that's I think why you have the size. Uh, they also, you know, you don't have any freeze up. So you don't have that kind of slowing of growth. Um, I kind of Facebook creeped Zach and he has a ton of pictures of like red ears in the three to four pound range. I mean, there he, he's been down there and catching fish and you can understand why he moved on there. Uh, yeah, but right. if people are kind of looking for a similar experience. Uh, Last year, you know, we kind of take the kids to Disney World quite often. I took a fishing trip uh, at Disney World, a guided trip, and they kind of sell it as a bass trip. Uh, We went out on the Seven Seas Lagoon, which is right in front of the Magic Kingdom, Um, but they took us kind of all over that lake uh, bass fishing, and the last stop we made was right in the marina at the Contemporary Resort. That's the the hotel that the monorail drives through. And we basically parked right in the marina and fished off the side. And I was catching like probably 13 to 14 inch bluegills. And they're the biggest bluegills I'd ever seen.
1: That's uh, unreal. Off
0: of this spot. So um, it's actually, you know, a pretty inexpensive trip. I think uh, the guided trip was like 220 bucks or something like that. Um, the bass fishing is pretty simple. And what's kind of funny to show you how big these bluegills were, uh, we were catching them on shiners. So, you know, we're using like two and a half inch shiners and that's what they were eating. So it was it was a lot of fun. And if you want to get into kind of some of these bigger bluegills in the south and, uh, you know, not have to go to Lake Havasu, a lot of people travel to Florida. And you don't even have to be a resort guest or go to Disney World. You can just call them up and say, I want to book a fishing trip and you can do it. So
1: that's really cool. Is that open to the public too, or do you have to
0: go with a guide? Yeah, you have to do with a guide. So the water, okay. the waters are private. So it, you know, Disney World owns the whole thing. So um, and it's all catch and release. Um, but you yeah. do have to have to hire a guide to do it. But they, like I said, they have a pretty inexpensive guide trip. I mean, it's a short trip. I think uh, I think it's like two hundred twenty-five bucks for two hours. But uh, you'll. You'll catch what you want to catch, and I think if you tell the guide, hey, I heard that there's some big bluegills in this lake, uh, <laughs> they'll they'll know where to take you. So, Right. That was pretty cool. You had a great uh, weekend fishing for the opener last week up on uh, Gosh, Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it was good. Um, fish were hungry.
1: It's uh, the typical theme for Winnie the last few years that I've been going is tons and tons of slot fish. So... I'm fine with that. I don't care about keeping walleyes at all to eat. Sure, they're great table fare, but for me, like when I make a trip over there, it's about catching as many fish and hopefully some nicer ones. We didn't catch anything ginormous, but I mean, I would say 80% of our fish were between 20 and 24 inches. So nice. we, had, we had a ton of fun and we did come home with some fish too. We found some uh, some unders, so that was good.
0: Very cool. How are the water levels up there? Because that's one thing I'm seeing right now is uh, water levels are super high everywhere.
1: They are. It, uh, it was definitely a surprise. Um, it's, I mean, it's kind of a surprise everywhere just because we heard this trend for the last two falls, how dry it was. And to see things as high as they are now, it's pretty crazy. Um, I know we've, we've both seen plenty of articles. I just saw another thing on Facebook today from the Crane Lake area. And... They have water levels about 10 inches higher uh, than the the last major flood, which was 1954 mm-hmm. there. They're 10 inches higher than that marker that was put in by the Corps of Engineers, which is
0: unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, there's uh, some photos floating around on Ice Fishing Minnesota of a, there's a skid house on some lake up north that's floating around a lake that somebody had put yeah. it up on shore and the water levels came up and it was, one of those newer skid houses that's built with the uh, flotation in the in the uh, the skids, and I mean it's just floating around the lake. Uh, I saw <laughs> some other video of uh, resorts uh, basically sandbagging around their cabins and trying to keep you know running a pump trying to keep the water away. Uh, photo up on the uh, Boundary Waters area, there was a ranger standing on top of a grill grate, a you know, like campfire grill grate, and that that thing's like a foot underwater. So. Uh, it's definitely it's crazy. A, a weird time right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, it has to be the, just the sheer amount of snow that they had up in the northern parts of Minnesota, you know, because we uh, we didn't have that much snow down in where you and I are at here, but right. up north they had a lot
0: this last year. They yeah, you had all that. I just uh, saw an article about Devil's Lake, uh, high water out there. Uh, they're kind of looking at not quite record levels. Obviously Devil's Lake, there's a lot of fluctuation. There's always been a lot of fluctuation there, but uh, the guides are really excited with uh, with the water that, that's there. Um, they, they're expecting a really kind of a banner year uh, for walleye spawning up there and just a lot of habitat should make for a good year of fishing up there as well. Yeah, it's
1: funny how when you look at the Dakotas, it's one of the few places where they look forward to this high water. I feel like here in Wisconsin, uh, when there's high water in the rivers and stuff, that's not usually a good thing. Uh, Same thing with the Mississippi. I mean, there is certain situations where it's good, but they seem to really look forward to that over there, especially in that devil's Lake area.
0: Yeah. Kind of a different deal. Uh, We've been talking about late ice, uh, uh, ice going out late over the last few shows and uh, dealing with a lot of cold water out there just because that ice is coming out late and, you know, more and more people going out and, we can see some boating accidents. We want to talk a little bit today about uh, just kind of survival methods or if you find yourself in the water, in that cold water, uh, if this happens to you, a few things that, that you can do to help yourself survive first is going to be wear a life jacket. And then the second yeah. thing that I would say is important that a lot of people don't do, and I believe uh, Wisconsin may have made it a, a law again last year is to wear that tether strap um, so that if you do fall out of the boat, Uh, the the motor kills. um, That's a big thing. A lot of people that do uh, fall out of the boat end up uh, in trouble with that prop, you know, spinning around them. So uh, that would be the other thing. Blake, uh, what do you got? Well,
1: yeah, I just really want to hammer that life jacket thing home because in this day and age, there's tons of good options. It's not like, you know, back in the 90s where you had to wear this big bulky life jacket with these inflatable ones. It's not, you don't even know that you're wearing them. Um, especially when you're by yourself, I do a lot of fishing by myself. So I am always wearing a life jacket. Uh, you just don't know what kind of trouble you're going to get yourself into, especially if you're fishing alone. And if the water's cold, uh, that tether strap is another great point. Um, that's something that I saw come up a few years ago. And so for me, it's a, it's just a a big deal to make sure you're wearing that when you're operating your boat. Uh, beyond that, if you do end up in the water. Um, there's a lot of different things you can do, but the biggest thing is to, to try to stay warm, um, do what you can to fight for survival. It, it doesn't take long for hypothermia to set in, uh, the Minnesota DNR gives a kind of a fight for survival thing. So they call it the one ten one one principle, which they say can help save your life. So for that first minute, try to get your breathing under control. Cause when you hit the water, um, one thing you'll notice is that you're gonna hyperventilate. You're gonna kind of lose your breath and you're just gonna be breathing super heavy. Um, I can tell you from personal experience, getting in cold water, it it creates a sense of panic um, mm-hmm. that it it's really hard to explain until you are in that situation. So keeping these things in mind is super helpful. Um, and then with the, the 10 part of the rule, they say 10 minutes of meaningful moments. So basically that means try to assess the situation um, and do what you can to get out of that water. Um, know, practice some emergency communications ahead of time. Um, And then the last part of that rule is the one that's one hour or more of useful consciousness. So basically what you wanna do is focus on slowing your heat loss as much as possible. Uh, Do what you can to make sure you're slowing that down. If you're with somebody, that means huddling together. Uh, If your boat or your vessel is nearby, staying close to that. Um, And then just do what you can to get out of the water as quickly as possible
0: yeah the other thing uh that i'll say you know and and like you said when you hit that water uh it it really kind of almost takes your breath away so i would say you know take a a a few moments to kind of relax and get to where you need to be mentally because you can panic and then i would say build a plan um this actually happened to me um probably when i was like maybe 19 or 20 uh, my buddy and I were fishing uh, the walleye run on the Rock River in southern Wisconsin, and we had, had kind of cruised up the river to this spot that was kind of a an area that people knew about as a good walleye spot. Um, it was during the the midweek, and there was nobody there, uh, and we kind of pulled up, and the current was so so bad that we couldn't hold the boat with the anchor, so we had these brilliant ideas as 19-year-old kids that we were going to go up and tie the boat off to the bridge there was you know you could touch the, the the bridge above us it was like a railroad bridge that was fairly low so we pulled up you know i grabbed a hold of the bridge and started to tie off but i had, was holding on the bridge and the boat came out from underneath of me and i just went right in the, right in the river and uh you know it was march and it was it was cold but what i did is just went up and grabbed a hold of the side of the boat my buddy was still in the boat and i just said just drive me to shore so i didn't even yep. try to get back in the boat i just he just drove me right to shore so i could stand up and get out of the water and it was interesting there was a there's a bridge for for vehicles regular traffic that was pretty close to it and a police officer had happened to be driving by when this happened and he went he was there basically right by the time we got to shore and he's like oh i thought i was gonna be pulling a body out of the out of the river." So. Uh, he ended yeah. up giving me a ride home, <laughs> which was was pretty good. So I didn't have to ride in the boat all the way back yep. to, to uh, where we had pulled off from. But uh, the main thing there was that I hit the water, stayed calm, figured out uh, a plan to get myself out of there. And luckily for me, too, there was somebody else in the boat that could kind of help orchestrate that. But I think right. th- the big thing is is just kind of keeping your keeping your head level and doing the right thing to make your make sure that you survive
1: hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's crazy what that cold water can do. Just it it changes your mental state. It sh- shuts your body down. So try to keep a cool yeah. head and, and
0: get out. The other thing we wanted to talk about uh, again with people kind of getting ready to get going here for Memorial Day is uh, the trailers. I mean, we've talked about boats a little bit in the last few weeks, but uh, that trailer is really important. I've been driving around a little bit in the last uh, few weeks and seeing a lot of trailers on the side of the highway. <laughs> oh yeah Um, uh, it seems to be one of those things that's always
1: yeah that seems to be one of the biggest things that's always neglected for people you know they just they check the boat but they don't worry about the trailer
0: yeah so some things to to keep an eye on are are those wheel bearings go ahead and get those uh taken care of make sure they're good and then the other thing that i do is you know if i'm out there cruising around is just pull over once in a while and just check them make sure that they're not you know hot if you if you touch them and they're hot to the touch you got a problem going um so just kind of keeping on that tires the other thing you know a lot of times our boat trailer tires have a lot of tread but they're old and dry rotted and you know you, you can't just let those things go for a long time yeah carry a spare it's
1: that has saved me for sure on one occasion having a spare um or I was over an hour from home and a tire blew. And the only reason I was able to continue that day was because I had a spare. So make sure you have a spare always. And when you do swap out your trailer tires, just get a brand new spare too. It might look fine because it hasn't been used, but like you said, you run into things like dry rot. Just swap out all three at the same time. Uh, other things like check your hitch, make sure everything's good there. And for a lot of us, we just leave those things on there year-round that means they get covered in salt and they rust doesn't hurt to to swap out a new one um when it comes to trailer bearings and hubs one thing i wanted to add to that is like on my trailer i have um, like oil bath hubs so keep an eye on those you can actually see if there's oil in there but if it ever starts to look milky or anything like that it means you got water in there so you want to swap that out Um, change that every few years Check your lights. Uh, that seems to be an issue for everybody. It doesn't matter. I know I've had tons of trailer light issues throughout the years. It doesn't matter if you have um, new LEDs on there or not. It just seems like dunking those things in the water over and over again, there seems to always be issues. So check those, right. make sure your turn signals are working, the brake lights are working, all that stuff before you head out. Um check the straps, just make sure everything is in, in good condition before you go, especially if you're going on a long trip. Um, try to make sure, you know, you, you've checked everything off on that list before you leave. You don't want to be stranded somewhere. So just take the extra 10 minutes to look through everything before you actually head out on that trip.
0: Yeah. The other thing that I'll say, you talked about the hitch, you know, make sure that you've got the right height hitch. So the, the hitch that I have on my truck for my boat, you know, I've got a, a three, four inch drop on that hitch because that's where it's level. But when I pull the fish house, it's a straight drop. So, you know, make sure that you've got that trailer and that's pulling the way it needs to pull. Uh, you know, the, the boat trailer that I have is is a dual, dual tire deal. So I've got four tires there. And if it's not properly aligned, all the weight's on the front tires, which is not what we want to have. So make sure that, right. that that trailer is straight and make sure you've got the right hitch to do that with. Uh, another thing that uh, we keep an eye on a lot, at least uh, I do anyway, and I, I know you do as well, uh, social media. I keep an eye on it quite a bit. Uh, part of my job. And we're going to talk fish houses a little bit here. We are the fish house nation. I know it's summertime. We're trying to talk summer summer topics, but let's talk a little bit about wheelhouse too. Probably the most common complaint that I see uh, are people fishing too close. So this is something that Everyone is talking about all winter long. You see all the people going, boy, you know, you got the whole lake. Why are you sitting next to me? And we want to talk a little bit about how close is too close. Uh, I believe Minnesota law is 10 feet. And uh, 10 feet isn't very much. You know, if, if you're pulled up no. and someone is in at 10 feet, they're definitely going to fill up the view out of your window. Um, it, it's, it's pretty close, but legally that's where they can be. Um, so what do you think, Blake, uh, how, how close is too close? Yeah, 10 feet is definitely too close. I get that. It's the law. Um, but the
1: best way to look at it is if you wouldn't want somebody that close to you, don't go set up that close to them. There's lakes are huge. I mean, there's tons of options for lakes in the Midwest. I get like, there's certain situations where you want to be on this very specific spot. Somebody else is there. Just go find something else. If anything, it challenges you to try to figure out something different. Um, and maybe you'll find something that, that was way better than the, the other spot, anyways. But, yeah, if you don't want somebody setting up that close to you, don't go set up that close to them. I think uh, I think that's really the biggest thing to keep in mind there.
0: Yeah, I think things have, have become blurred, though, recently just with so many uh, people going out and getting out there. Um, yep. Well, I kind of look at it as, you know, if we're fishing a big flat or something like that, I certainly don't need to be set up around other people. You know, I can get my space. Um, I also fish a lot of areas with some real specific structure. And what I'll often find in those spots is that there's a cluster of houses that are very tight over that structure. And kind of fishing tight is sort of the norm there. Um, you know, and I try to avoid those places on the weekends just because it just becomes too much out there. Right. Um, but if I'm going out there during midweek, I would say that 95% of the houses on that structure are going to be empty. Um, there's usually not people out there. And in those cases, like if I need to pull into 10, 15 feet and there's a spot there and you can often see where someone had has already been there, um, I'll pull right in there. Because, I mean, if there's nobody fishing there, I'm not bothering anybody. I'm going to do it. But I also, the other thing you have to do, though, is when you're fishing in that area, you have to understand that somebody else could do the same thing to you. And you have to be able to um, accept that. uh, This winter, I was fishing in a spot just like that, where I was, you know, I had houses 10, 15 feet around me. It's a cluster of 20 houses, but the structure's tight. The fish were there. Um, Pulled in the wheelhouse there, did some fishing at five o'clock in the morning, I had headlights shining into my windows. Um, there's guys in the house next to me that were coming in at five in the morning to fish and they're running their augers and they're doing all that stuff. And you just have to understand that when you're in that pressure situation where there's houses there, that that's part of the deal. So, um, that's kind of the way I look at it. If it's, you know, if you're going to go up on Lake of the Woods or something where there's structure everywhere, then I would say, you know, expect to, to give some room and, and get some room. But, you know, if you're out fishing some of these metro lakes and there's specific structure on them and there's these little shanty towns and um, that's just the deal. So yeah. I actually had a situation a couple of years ago. Um, it really wasn't one of those deals where there was a bunch of houses, but I was just out cruising around my four-wheeler, scouting places, found a spot that I wanted to fish, Um, and there was another guy that was kind of doing the same thing, and we both were like, boy, we'd like to fish right here, and we just started talking to each other, and I just went, you know, I want to fish right here, and he said, I want to fish right here, and we were definitely, you know, it was definitely one of those 10 feet kind of things, but we both agreed to it, we both Talked, you know, I actually went over to his house and had a beer with him and he can't. I mean, there's yep. things that we can do other than post on social media complaining about one of another. You 100%. know, go over and knock on a door and introduce yourself and maybe meet a new buddy. And what's funny is I've actually run into that guy a few other times on the same lake where I just see him out and and now we're we're friends. I mean, I wouldn't say we're friends going to each other's picnic in the summertime, but when we see each other on the lake, it's hey, how's it going? Have you caught any fish? And so I gained a fishing buddy out of that just by being friendly. So we don't have to attack each other. We don't have to give each other the finger or swear or give dirty looks. Just go over and say hi and and see what happens. And a lot of times you'll find out that that guy over there is kind of on the same team as you are.
1: Yeah, it, communication is a great point. It's you know that can resolve a lot of issues versus just automatically assuming that they're doing it to to be rude or they just don't care how you feel. Just talk to them
0: right it's like you said you might be a new fishing buddy yeah a lot of good stuff out there uh just hope everybody's enjoying the show i know the format's a little bit different right now uh we've got a kind of the summertime thing and it's just sometimes it's really tough to talk ice fishing when we're in may and june so uh we're going to kind of mix it up here for a little while and then once we get into that august september uh we'll start talking exclusively ice but uh, appreciate you coming on blake and being part of the show uh enjoy talking to you every week. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover. For more ice fishing content, visit our blog at catchcover.com.